happy Thursday. It's 536, almost 537. Thanks so much for listening in here to NL News. Now, British Columbia's representative for children and youth out with a new report today. It's titled Sky's Legacy, a Focus on Belonging. And it urges the B.C. government to focus on better helping First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and urban Indigenous children to realize the kind of deep and valuable connections that are often damaged by the historic and ongoing effects of colonialism, ranging from residential schools, the 60s scoop, and of course the current child welfare system. The report is in response to the life and death of Sky, a bright young First Nations child. Sky died in August of 2017 on her 17th birthday, and less than a year after her mother passed away. BC's child and youth rep Jennifer Charlesworth says, quote, Sky had spent nearly 12 years in the care of the Ministry of Children and family development was moved 15 times and never realized the sense of belonging that all humans seek and need to thrive. Jennifer Charlesworth joins me now on the line. Thanks so much for the time. How are you doing here today? Thank you very much, and I appreciate you having me, and I also just want to say my heart is with you and your community as you grapple with the tremendous loss that was uh, discovered and uh, illuminated by the, the in, within the community at Kamloops Indian Residential School. And I will be up there this weekend joining the walk from Kamloops to Adams Lake. So, well, yeah, I appreciate your community in my heart. Yeah, I appreciate those words. It's definitely been a, a lot for people to take in, whether you're surprised by the findings or not. It has uh, definitely shocked a, a lot of people within this community. And, we're all we're all trying our best to deal with it. It's been tough, but I, I appreciate those words. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know that it all kind of mm, is connected here, right, to this report here today. It's uh, true. Yeah. So uh, before we get into sort of the report itself and and what the findings were and what you're hoping to see change, I was wondering if if to start you could kind of take me through Sky's story and just how it shined a light on the concerns that I think are well documented when it comes to Indigenous children being placed you know, in the current child welfare system, but at the same point in time, just because we, we know what's happening, it doesn't feel like maybe enough has been done about it. So uh, just to start with, what was Sky's story all about, and and why did it touch you so so dearly? Mm-hmm. Well, first I want to say, uh, let's introduce you to Sky. So she was a very um, bright, articulate, fiery, uh, caring young person, Many people told stories about how when she walked into her room, she just sparkled. She was a very bubbly kiddo. Um, she loved to be outdoors. She had a strong connection to nature when she had the opportunity. Um, she loved fishing, um, horseback riding, and uh, babies and animals, little young uh, uh, puppies. Um, so she really had a, a beautiful spirit. What happened to her was, um, I think the story is important to understand that what mm-hmm. happened to her really happened to her mom, who that happened to her grandmother. So yes, it's absolutely connected to the intergenerational and historical trauma that's being illuminated through the experience in your community. Um, so her mom was removed from her grandmother um, as uh, as an infant and then placed in a non-Indigenous home, suffered significant uh, abuse in her childhood and struggled with mental health and substance use issues. When Skye was born, her mom was trying very hard to parent but struggled from time to time. Um, and uh, especially at that time, there was a lot of judgment towards moms who used substances. And long and short of it is that Skye came into care 
on her uh, when she was five, and then she spent the next 12 years of care in the ministry, and um, and did never never saw her mother again. So what happened to Sky was there was a very strong focus on adoption at that time, finding that forever family. So she experienced three failed adoption plans and placements. And as a consequence of that, that was between when she came into care and 12 years of age. Mm -hmm. And that was devastating for her because she really did what she knew what she needed. She wanted to have connection and belonging. And the consequence of all of that was she lost connection to her sister. She never resumed, was able to regain connection to her mother, despite the fact that both her mom and her really wanted that. And there were connections with other meaningful people in her life that were severed. And then um, not not only were they not supported to carry on after, uh, but they were actively discouraged. So, for example, with, with foster caregivers that she was connected to. So with all of that change, as you said, you know, there were 18 social workers. She was moved 15 times. She lived in eight different foster homes. She went to eight schools, four districts. You know, that's a lot for anyone to experience, and even more so when you've got this legacy of trauma that you're you're working through. So um, over time, she um, just really struggled tremendously, mental health and disease issues. She was... Um, couch surfing, uh, moving between communities after a while. She was basically saying the ministry wasn't doing much for her, mm-hmm. so she was taking me- measures into her own hands. And tragically, she died on her 17th birthday of an accidental overdose. And I think it's important to note, too, um, as brutal as the story is, as sad as it is that she never did get that care and attention that she was seeking, that she wanted, that she needed, this story is far from unique, isn't it? Exactly, and that's the reason that I chose to do this story and this investigation, because Skye's story, while unique to her, her journey was unique, of course, but this is a story that plays itself out over and over and over again. We receive dozens of stories like this of children who, uh, especially once they're in care, experience profound lack of connection and belonging, and we all need connection and belonging. We all need to have a sense of, you know, the important people in our life caring about us or we're connected to a community or a neighborhood or a school where we're able to express our love of culture or express the things that we want to do that give us joy. And this was something that was not provided for Sky, And uh, that just stole so much from her. So that was the reason I wanted to do this story is, She's a beautiful person, and her story deserves to be told. Um, she's she's a tremendous teacher, a wise teacher, and in her um, uh, after her passing, she's teaching us a lot. But it's many children's stories, and it represents the legacy of colonization, and it's the contemporary experience of residential schools. Now you made a couple of uh, recommendations to the province as you go through this report and you dig through Sky's story and, and try to help improve the system here. I guess how how important is it first and foremost, I suppose, to to take a step back and and really review the the cultural, I suppose, sensitivity maybe that comes with it. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but 
you know, it just feels like, it, it, you know, I shouldn't say feels like, I think we all well know that indigenous people, indigenous children are just not given necessarily the, the same shake as, as others in this same system. I mean, why is it that, you know, it feels like First Nations kids just don't seem to, to get, I guess, the same, um, put the same value on them almost. That, that's almost how it feels, as horrible as that is to say. Yeah. Well, yes, and you know, an Indigenous child is 18 times more likely to come into care than a non-Indigenous child. And I, I wouldn't say so much that there is, um, that there isn't the same, that there's kind of an intention to not provide the same kind of mm-hmm. care. But I think that the system is fundamentally unable to provide what the Indigenous children need, given the history of colonization. Yeah. So one of the things that excites me is the federal act that was passed um, and is, is in force now. So nations are able to work towards resumption of jurisdiction, and decisions are being guided by that act now that um, to inform what are the best interests and what are some of the considerations, what are some different ways the practice can be done so that the child is not disconnected from family and community and wherever possible they can live, if not with their biological family with support, but perhaps with extended family or members of their community. Um, and so I think that fundamentally we have a system that that's a, a colonial system. It just isn't ever going to be very good for Indigenous kids. Um, some might argue it's not good for any kid, but yeah. uh, it's definitely not for Indigenous kids. So I think that's where we're at is it's just the, the wrong kind of mechanism to meet the needs of, of children in many cases. Not all, but in, in, in many cases I think we can do a lot better than what we do. Uh, Jennifer, you know, you, you, you made this presentation, you had a, a news conference earlier today, and, and you were joined by uh, the Minister for Children and Youth, Mitzi Dean. Uh, I'm sure you guys have had conversations since this report was put out. Uh, just, you know, are, are you feeling like there's a strong sense from the current government that they really do want to improve things? And, you know, I look at what's going on here in Kamloops and the investigation that's currently underway into the Kamloops Indian Residential School and the horrible findings that we have. And, and you know, I don't want to take anything, uh, you know, and, and turn it into a positive from that, but it does feel like there seems to be more of a willingness right now to specifically help Indigenous individuals within our communities in our province and, and really help to do things better. I know we're still only, like, not even a full two weeks removed from this, so it still feels like, you know, there could be the immediate knee-jerk reaction to look like we're doing more, but I really hope that it goes beyond that. Uh, but just are you feeling like there's more of a sense of... of, of wanting to help and improve the the system that Indigenous children go through right now. Yes, absolutely. And I've seen changes in the in the course of Sky's life there were changes and certainly there's been some significant changes made over the last few years. Um so there's no question in my mind that there's an appetite, a desire and a commitment to improve things. Um, I think the key thing is that we, the, the leadership, the, the wisdom from Indigenous people themselves is important to center in this as we go forward and to really re-examine some of the fundamentals of the systems that we have right now. And, you know, as the new systems are being built or the new approaches are being built under the Federal Act, then what is it that we can do in the here and now uh, that will enhance the experience of children and youth because 
sometimes they do need to come into care. Um, but in many cases, that you know, they could be prevented from coming into care if we had different front-end responses, sort of down, uh, uh, upstream responses. But there's no question in my mind that I feel a strong appetite within the ministry, within the government writ large, and uh, within our society now. I think there's a, a time of awakening that does give me hope. Well, I'm hopeful as well, and, and I hope we don't lose that. I hope we can continue to, to feel that, be that sense of urgency to make some changes and, and do better by everyone in this country. Um, so, uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for the time. I really thank appreciate you. you speaking with me and sharing Sky's story. I think it's important to get out there, and so I really thank you for doing this. Well, thank you for helping us get it out there. Absolutely. Take care. Yeah, you too. That's Jennifer Charlesworth. She is BC's representative for children and youth. And again, is out with this new report today uh, that is entitled Sky's Legacy, a focus on belonging, urging the BC government to focus on better helping First Nations children realize the kind of deep and valuable connections that they need. Too often, the system fails them. And that's why it was an important thing to tell this story in particular and see what can be done to make improvements and make changes and give people better outcomes. Give people, give children, First Nation children, a chance. Isn't that all everybody wants is a chance? And when you see someone going through 18 social workers, move 15 times, uh, taken away from your mother at age five, never allowed to see her again, hard to feel much hope. Hard to feel like you have a real chance. I hope that changes.